Uh, in just a few moments, we'll kick off. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about this new series that we're starting today, and we'll look at how the Scripture tells us about how God accomplishes His mission in the world. But before we get to that, I'd like to tell you a story. Um, it started with a conversation between me and Leona sometime in 2010. Some of you may have heard this story, but I like telling it, and I have the mic, so boo-hoo if you've heard it before. But it started in 2010, sometimes in 2010. I had just read an article entitled, Why Plant Churches? by a guy named Dr. Tim Keller, an article that has been in the About Us section of our website since we first launched that site. And I remember asking her, it was 2010 after I read this article, and it was, it was riveting, and I encourage you to, to, to read it if you've never read it. Um, I, I, remember, I remember asking her, I said, hey, I just read this article about church planting. And what you have to understand is that previous to the current church we were at, we had been, I had been employed by two churches that were church plants that were meeting in mobile, they were meeting in gyms. They were literally meeting in elementary school gyms. And we finally got, I finally got a real job, real church job. Like, and, and in 2009, I got a real church job that had its own building. And I, feel, I felt like I finally arrived and got rid of the, you know, immature, whatever. But then I was riveted by this guy by the name of Dr. Tim Keller, who was saying something like that if, you, if you're interested in being part of a movement of seeing new people come to faith in Jesus, there is no better way to reach new people for Christ than the planting, the rigorous planting of churches. So um, I, I, I asked Leon, I said, hey, what do, you, what do you think about church planting? What do you think about church planting? And uh, the short answer was a hard no. Uh, in fact, I kept on bugging her about it, and she eventually said, stop talking about it. Unlike her many attempts to get me to stop talking about my trips to the boundary waters, luckily for me, this time, I complied. I did not talk about it. Fast forward to the summer of 2013. Obviously, things had changed, and I had officially left my job as an associate pastor at probably arguably one of the larger churches here in the area. And we were quickly assembling a launch team for a new church that was going to be planted in the West Twin Cities. We didn't know quite then yet, and there were a lot of different factors to the reason why we didn't know, but we kind of had an idea. The initial meetings were small. It was first about seven people huddled in my living room, and then little by little, we added more people. We visited a church called Grace Fellowship, and we picked up the Cartagenas, and we picked up some other people, and then we visited Northridge Fellowship, and we didn't pick up hardly anyone there, but Michelle Riebling ended up coming later. And we kept on talking to people in our circles of influence about this idea of starting a church, the idea of creating another light for those who are disconnected from God to come to clarity on who Christ is. And sooner or later, we found ourselves with about 35 people huddled in a banquet room at the Crown Plaza. And uh, I remember looking into each person's eyes. Actually, it feels a lot like today, to be honest with you. Um... I remember looking at their eyes, uh, hoping that they would trust me as I began to talk about what it would look like to be another light of the gospel in the city, in our community, that would be sold out on the idea 
that God wanted to use his church to reach those disconnected from him with the gospel of Jesus. And I don't know, and Gary was there, he, he might tell you, you know, everyone, had, everyone was totally sold out. I, to be honest with you, I, I was hopeful, but it was hard to see how everything was going to work. Not because of who the people were, but because of the task that we decided that we wanted to engage in. It was crazy. I remember our first Saturday, we came in for a Saturday to do our setup, and we had probably all 35 people, and it took three hours to set up. And we knew that in the next week, we're going to try to do all of that with half the amount of people and half the amount of time every Sunday for the rest of our lives. <laughs> but we launched on September 29th, 2013, and if you were there, you remember, standing room only, like every single chair in the building was set out, and uh, standing room only, Obviously, it was totally not COVID safe. And we had over 230 people fill an elementary school gym. It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. It was the, the energy in the room was electric. And now, eight years later, after we begin, a new chapter is on us. And in some ways, it's still hard to see how being a church that helps those disconnected from God find clarity on who Christ is. It's still kind of difficult for me to think now we are on this other side of isolation and we're finally getting back together. If I was to be honest, I'm going, man, is God going to use us once again to reach more and more people for Jesus with the gospel? But just as God did eight years ago, this new season of our church's life will require great faith, because that's what it took in the beginning. It'll take great faith from those who are committed to the work that God is doing and wants to do. The good news is, in the beginning, it wasn't just me and Leona. It was a group of people sold out and committed on this idea that God wanted to reach new people for Jesus. And this morning, my aim is to give you a broad overview of what is happening, and then we're going to get more specific in the following weeks about what I believe God is asking us to do together and how each and every one of us can play a part in this next chapter of the story that is Clarity Church. So that's why I'm asking as much as possible uh, that you try to be here for all four weeks of this Amplify series. It's or, or if for some reason you're unable, uh, I want to ask you to please, please stay engaged by either watching or listening online or downloading my message notes that I make available each week to those who sign up for our communities. You'll know, you'll get the little notification in the app like, oh no, okay, Phil's uploaded the notes again, so that you can track with what God is doing in this very important time. A leap of faith is what got us here, and a leap of faith is what it's going to take us where God wants us to go. And so I thought it would be good for us to study one of the great people of faith in the scriptures, to use this story of a guy by the name of Abram, or as some of you may know him as Father Abraham, who, by the way, he had many sons, had many sons, had, sorry, I do it every single time I say his name. Can you not, you cannot sing that song, right? 
now you got it stuck in your head. But I thought it would be good for us to look at one of the great people in the scriptures of faith who we're going to call Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Before we get there, look at the verse, a couple verses before. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31. It says this. Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Okay, so pause real quick. Um, there's a lot of names, a lot of places, and uh, what I want to do is sort this out with a map real quick. If you, have, uh, if you have access to the app, just open up there, go to the messages part, you'll see a map of this area here. If you don't have the app, you can go to my.clarity.church, or you can just Google Abraham's journey, and you can find some pictures. But if you go to the app, and if you take a look there, you'll find a map, and you'll see that Abraham um, grows up in Ur, right? So if you're looking at the map, if, I'm, if, I, if I hold up here, it's kind of right over here. I don't have a screen anymore. I can't do all that kind of stuff. But anyways, you're going to have to imagine with me, which is most likely what we now call southern Iraq. And his family thinks about going to the land of Canaan. You'll see it's look, it looks, what, due west of there, which is modern-day Israel. But they followed the original trade routes, which went kind of up towards the the, the mountain ranges, if, if you're looking at here, it'll go from here and it'll come up the mountain ranges and it'll come back down into the land of Canaan. And instead of somehow, we don't know why, but on the way to Canaan, they decided like, hey, Haran looks pretty good. Let's just settle here, which is by the mountains in what we now call southern Turkey. And so as the map gives way, what happens later is that Abraham is going to make a move. His family settles, but he will end up moving. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. We're not going to talk about this in depth, but this is what theologians and Bible scholars alike refer to as the Abrahamic blessing. This is a theme all throughout Scripture that God blesses people not so that they can go, oh God, thank you so much for blessing me. <laughs> but God blesses people so that they in turn could, guess what? Be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the site of Shechem at the Oak of Moreh at the time the Canaanites were in the land. So basically he walks in and God's telling him to go. And he's probably thinking, it'll be open for me to settle. And guess what? There is somebody there already, <laughs> right? So that's kind of what's happening. And then here's verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. He's looking at a land already inhabited by people. And he's saying, this land will be yours. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. All right, so Abram moves with his moves from his family from Ur, which is in Iraq, in Iran, in Turkey, and then 
God comes to him and says, leave your family, leave your people, and go to a new land that you've never been to, that you've never been to. And there I will make you into a great nation. I will bless the world through you. And Abraham takes this trip to what is modern-day Israel, and he does it, as we find out in Hebrews, by faith. So the question is, why does Abraham go? Like, why? Well, it's because God's plan was to be a blessing, to bring what we now refer to as the gospel or good news, to be a blessing to all who are disconnected from him, who are set apart from him. And this might be a stretch for some of you, but I think that God wants to do the same with his churches in today's world But specifically, I think he wants to do it through us, we who are clarity. He wants to use us to the greatest degree possible to see people's lives transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus. But in order to do that, like Abraham, it will require much faith out of us. And here's why. First, COVID, right? There's no church worth its salt that doesn't believe that Jesus commanded the church to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. I've been inside of churches that, (laughs) by all judging standpoints, I would have gone like, this church is dead, but they will stand behind this truth that God has called the church to make disciples of all nations. Every church worth its salt believes in that. The problem is that over the last 21 months, there hasn't been much of any kind of going into all the world by people, much less those who are followers of Jesus. Now, before you think I'm making any type of social or political statement here, I'm not making a statement about whether or not it's right or wrong that people were asked to isolate and not gather in large groups so that people wouldn't get infected and die. I'm stating just a reality. We were asked to isolate. I'm not getting political. I'm just saying that happened, right? Did it not happen? It happened. And like most churches around the world, our church is no different in regards to the kind of disengagement that has occurred due to COVID. In fact, we've been meeting in person now for a while, and there are still some people's faces. If I didn't make time to meet with them outside of our weekly gatherings, I would never see them. And I know, as I've talked to some of you, you miss our church family who are still disconnected for whatever reasons, are not able or not willing to be here with us gathered. And that's not a, it's not an indictment or anything, but that's just the reality. Can I just, can I state a reality? Like that, that's, that's just what's happening. But as we navigate this new normal, there's still a need for people to experience the gospel of Jesus. Like, just because of COVID doesn't mean the devil is like, you know what, you guys, <laughs> I wrecked you guys with that one. No, I'm going to give you, I'm going I'm to pause for a little bit, you know, I can give you guys a break, right? No, the devil we know is still out there to kill, steal, and destroy, seeking whom he will devour. And there's still a world out there, and this seems overdoing it, maybe overdramatic, but there's a world out there lost and dying without a relationship with Jesus. 
And they need to know, like know, the gospel of Jesus. And both believers and those who don't know whether they believe everything who've heard about Jesus in the Bible, as a result of our realities, not only become disconnected with God, but they become disconnected with each other, which is something we've had to navigate as a church. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's also something in the water around clarity. Did you know that 80% of the kids whose parents consider themselves a part of Clarity Church are pre-kindergarten age, 80%. Did you know that? Pre-kindergarten age. With less, with, with 40% less than the age of two. And thank you, Emma and Corey, for jacking that up. Hopefully soon here, you're going to jack that up even more. All right? Goodness gracious. You guys, I, I hope, I hope. Debbie and Gary, you might be getting a baby soon. I don't know. It's, we're talking about Abraham and Sarah. It's not too late, right? No? <laughs> Something's in the water. But listen, I, I don't know about you, but I'm sure that I don't want to get to the fall of 2024, three years from now, when these pre-kindergarten kids are now fully in elementary school, they're learning, they're engaging, they're reading, their minds are becoming sponges. I don't want to get there wishing our church had a thriving and vibrant kids' ministry where kids can learn about the gospel of Jesus and begin hearing and memorizing the word of God hiding it in their heart so that even they may not make decisions that would break God's standards. That's what I hope. I hope we don't have to wait till 2024 and like wake up like, Phil, my kid's in elementary school. Where's our kid's ministry? I hope we don't have to wait for that. And to be selfish, because I'm a parent of two teenagers myself, I hope that we wouldn't have to wait until then for those of us who consider ourselves Clarity Church to finally believe that our church should have some kind of ministry to middle school students and high school age students. I think I missed the boat on my older ones, but my nine-year-old who thinks she's in middle school, I think there's still a chance. And at the end of the day, a building can't guarantee any of these things. I know that. Like, it's not going to guarantee that any of these things will happen because only the move of the Holy Spirit can accomplish these things. Why is that? Because it requires the Holy Spirit and people filled with the Spirit and then obedient to His Spirit and then empowered with not only the power of the Holy Spirit but the courage that is given when you are filled with the Holy Spirit to do things that require faith. It is only by the move of the Holy Spirit can these things be accomplished. And while a building can't guarantee any of these things, here's what we know. Here's what we know. Anytime a community of faith guided by the Holy Spirit comes together to trust in God for and work towards the accomplishment of a goal that requires big faith, a great God who has a greater vision for our lives accomplishes greater things. Or as Paul would say in Ephesians, he who is able to will, who is able to accomplish exceedingly abundantly 
beyond anything we're able to ask or even conceive, think, dream up. Glory to him, because he will do it. This is why since January of 2020, if you didn't know this, since January of 2020, our governing team, staff, and leaders have been praying for and working on a plan. We've been talking about this for a while for our church's next step towards amplifying the work of God in and through us. And I will admit, in the, uh, in the winter of 2019, when we were rocking cool stages and lights and full seats, and we had, you know, it just felt, you know, we had this many people at our annual business meeting, <laughs> right? It, when I announced that, hey, we're going to engage in some type of capital campaign, the, I, it, it felt like, yeah, that, that seemed like, it didn't actually really require much faith to believe, like, yeah, that, that seems like it was, it's going to work for us. I didn't know what 2020 would hold for us. And I also didn't know that as I continued to pray and pray about it, that there was an unsettling sense in my spirit that even though the realities around us has changed, God's desire for us has remained the same. And so we've been actively looking at properties for our next home, but one of the unforeseen consequences of COVID has been an increasingly changing real estate. You didn't know. It's a hot market. It's a hot market out there, right? It isn't just residential. Everywhere. Land is ridiculously expensive. And while we're not against finding land and building on it, like, you know, like, why don't we just find, like, a little, you know, there's tons of farmland still. We can find old farmland and build on it. And like, while I'm not against it, we have found that there seems to be a consistent number of existing facilities. As you know, land, especially here in Brooklyn Park, it's really hard to come by. But one of the things that we have found is that there seems to be a consistent number of existing facilities that have the potential for being a great launching pad for ministry for us. If you don't doubt that, look at all the new buildings that seem to be going up, the industrial buildings, while all the current ones sit, what? Empty with signs (laughs) in front of them. The problem is that it's a very volatile market. As soon as we see something, we have a real estate, uh, commercial real estate person working with us. As soon as we see it and we're like, we like that, he comes back and says, oh yeah, it got swept up again. But here's something else. Literally, on a monthly basis, it changes. The properties change. It's changing. And sometimes properties change hands because people are now taking advantage of trying to get into this real estate market. The other problem is that in this volatile market, property that is up for sale, uh, because it comes and goes quickly, the contacts to whom you connect with about asking for information about these properties, um, it's very hard to be taken seriously when you're shopping without any money in your pocket. It's like the equivalent of going, I was telling Elijah this morning, it's like going to the car dealership for the first time. And the first time you go there, the dealer is like, hey, hey, yeah, and you, and, and you ask him, like, I'd like to go see the Lamborghini. And what is the dealer? Oh, yeah, well, let me see you, show you. Well, I will set you up on a plan. And then you go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just looking. Like, Right? And so, and so when I come back the next day and say, hey, I'd like to look at maybe a different car, you think I'm going to get the same kind of attention? No, right? And, and that's kind of where we're sitting right now. And so if we want to purchase something when it's available, we need to be able to financially secure it. So here is the crux of everything. In light of all those factors, we have set a goal to raise $320,000 in additional giving 
over the next three years. We earn $20,000 in additional giving over the next three years. And we believe that an amount like this would be enough. As I worked with uh, our real estate uh, broker, um, working through all the numbers, that this would be enough to purchase the right size facility for us, or at least allow us to secure something with an additional smaller loan. Okay, so that's now we're going from like teaching the Bible to just being super practical, right? Remember I said, we're eventually going to talk about this in our series, and now we're talking about it. And so, in fact, what I want you to do is at this point, I, I want to ask you to, on the app, or even go on our, in, your, in your web browser, my.clarity.church, or even just go to claritychurch.org, you'll see the Amplify but graphic. If you click on that, you'll find uh, a brochure that we've made, and uh, we've made it mostly because our name is Clarity Church and we have an obligation to, in defining moments, to communicate with clarity. So we created this. Hopefully, it will bring some clarity to what is going on, how we're going to do it, and what we hope to accomplish. Has everyone got that? You see that there? Are you seeing it? Good, good, good. And so we put together this brochure to help you understand this neck exciting step for those of us who consider ourselves Clarity Church, and I'm asking that every single person here today, or maybe you're listening to this on demand, I would ask that you would read through this brochure sometime today or sometime this week at the latest so you can at least, first and foremost, be informed, like what is going on. We'll also be holding several pie events, and these are pastoral information exchange events, to kind of do some Q&As as well as eat pie together. And so I'm a big fan of getting together with people and eating pie. And I like answering questions. And so I'd love for us to get together and just to kind of talk about even more depth, some about these realities and answer any questions you may have. And if you haven't already, I want to invite you to sign up to come over to my house. Literally, I want to invite you to come over to my house and, uh, or you can go to the Calhagen's house. Uh, They live in Rogers and I'll be there as well, and we'll have some pie and for some time to connect about our Amplify campaign. So you can go to claritychurch.org forward slash pie, P-I-E. Sign up for that. We'd love to see you there. And I don't know about you, but in some ways, talking about this opportunity uh, feels, feels like an opportunity in, in many ways for a God to do some great things, right? But if I'm going to be completely honest with you... Um, it also gives way to opportunity for incredible amount of anxiety. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Elementary school gyms is kind of all we've known. Like, we know how to do school gyms. Whether we like it or not, like, we know how to set up, like, I know how many chairs, uh, we can do this. Like, we know how to do this. And in some ways, we're not even exactly sure where we're going to price, precisely end up. Like, just being honest. Like, I don't know exactly where we're going to end up. But here's what we do know. We need to go. We need to start. We need to move. And isn't that the exact same place Abraham was in? You know, we tend to associate Bible figures with the land of Israel. But keep in mind, Before Abraham went to Israel, he had never been to Israel. 
And the book of Hebrews in the New Testament has a great chapter on all the people of faith in the Old Testament. It says this about Abraham in Hebrews 11 verse 8. It says this, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. Even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew he had to go. And that's us. (laughs) Even though we're not exactly sure where that property is yet, we know what God is calling us to do. He's calling us to go. We know that now is the time to start that journey. Because we know that we can't stay here forever. Not that we want to move past where we are or make the most of what we have now. But if we want to move, if we want to move towards vibrancy as a local fellowship of believers that is committed to making disciples, just like Abraham couldn't just stay in Haran, if God was going to bless him, to make him a blessing, we need to also move. Sure, it would have been way easier for Abraham to stay there with his family, right? Just to do things as it is, stay in his home, stay with his family, with his peeps, with all that he ever really known, but God was calling him to do something greater. I believe God is calling us to do something greater. You can read more in depth about that this week in your Amplify brochure, but this morning my aim was really kind of just to get a feel, to give you a feel for what our brochure is about. But at this point, and I know some of you are still looking at, what I'm actually going to ask you to do is to put it away. Put it away real quick. Close it real quick. And I want your attention just for these last few moments. Because what we're talking about in this defining day is so important that I'm asking for your full attention. Let me make something clear. This isn't about fixing a broken past. Okay? We're not trying to solve a problem. This is about taking what God has already done great in our past to the next level. That's why we're calling this four-week series Amplify. Over the years, God has accomplished some amazing things through this church. If you don't remember or if you don't know. Through the years, I believe he has been teaching us, preparing us, maturing us to become effective missionaries to the people within our everyday circles of influence. In fact, I am so proud to be a pastor of a church that when we took the stage away, the lights away, all the cool music, whatever, you doubled down in your engagement and you said, Our church isn't about that stuff anyways. We're about being disciples and making disciples. I have seen other churches get wrecked (laughs) because of the current realities. And I'm friends with a bunch of pastors who pastor smaller churches, and they have had to shift in the wake of these realities, and they've lost people to larger churches who are able to maintain the semblance of, you know, the church that everyone is comfortable with. And I have lunch with them, and they're crying, and they're like, how are you handling all this? And I literally have to tell them, I don't know. (laughs) I'm so proud of our church. 
And here's what I know. We don't need a new mission. We don't need a new vision. We don't have to change our identity. And listen, we're not going to change our philosophy. That what a world disconnected from Jesus really needs is clarity regarding who Christ is. What this world really needs is simply just to know who Jesus is. Over the years, we've been growing in understanding the gospel of Jesus with clarity, but now we need to amplify it. We need to amplify what God is doing already inside of us, out into the world that God wants to reach through us. And in order to do that, we eventually will reach more people for Christ, and we're going to need to invest in being a part, listen, of this community by taking ownership in this community. I know you know where Clarity is, but I guarantee you if you go across the street, and we've been meeting here for years, and ask someone, do you know what Clarity Church is? They'd be like, Clarity, what? (laughs) But as David Soren from Renovation Church told me, after 13 years of meeting, people in their community finally know who they are, and they've thrown huge events with thousands of people in their city. Well, why? Because there's something significant that happens when you invest as a church in the community you're reaching by being an owner in the community that you're reaching. Allow me to be clear, what we are trying to do here is not be motivated by space. Just be clear. This is not something being motivated by space, like, ooh, space. I didn't wake up one day and go, hmm, own building. Now I'm excited. Getting a building. Woohoo! It involves space. It involves a building, but it's not motivated by a building. It's motivated, as I have been motivated since the very beginning, and those of you who know me know this to be true. I'm not motivated or impressed by that stuff. I'm motivated by people. People. And I'm motivated by sharing the gospel with as many people as I can and seeing as many people come to faith in Jesus as I can. And this vision issue is not a space issue. Space is just a tool. A building is just a tool. You know, it's interesting when you read Abraham's life story. Unlike so many men and women in the Bible, God doesn't call uh, him out and say things like, you know, go and sin no more. That's your calling. You know, read the Old New Testament, you know, Jesus would meet someone and then what does he call them? What's the kind of life he calls them to? He says, well, go now and sin no more. Like, oh, that's, that's my life's calling, just to go and sin no more. God's call for Abraham's life was a call for impact. God calls Abraham to move so that his plan, so that his mission can be accomplished in the world. And I, I want you to think with me for a moment about what God's doing in history with Abraham, if you know his story. Well, why does it even matter that Abraham followed God in faith and moves to a new land? Well, why, why, why can't God just use Abraham in Iraq, right? Couldn't he have done that? Couldn't he have done that? Or, or in Turkey, when his family moved up to Haran. I mean, what's the difference? Like, God, God's all powerful. He can use us anywhere we are, right? Well, the point was, it was a move to amplify impact. Israel 
as we now know, the promised land, as some we call of it, is one of the most strategic geographic locations on the entire globe. If you want to talk about influence, this is where we begin. Israel is a link to Europe, Africa, and Asia. Think about that. It's the connecting point of what would be the three continents. And so much of the world's trade and travelers went through there over history. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Jesus could have shown up anywhere. Jesus could have come to Minnesota, roaming with the buffaloes. He could have gone to Australia, mate. He could have gone to Chile. He could have gone to Ireland. That was terrible. (laughs) But why did Jesus come to Israel? First of all, he had to come where the Jews were, right? He was the Jewish Messiah. And they would have been the only people to interpret the prophecies in the Old Testament and know why he was coming. So they could tell the world. So in light of that, where God decides to place the Jewish people is one of the most defining moments in the history of Abraham and, and, and really a history of defining moments in history. And Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, right? That's why we sing, Father Abraham and many sons, right? And so God puts Abraham and consequently the Jewish people at the center of the world, at a place where one day the good news of Jesus would quickly spring forth with ease into North Africa where Christianity thrived for centuries, into Asia and then into India in the first centuries, and through Turkey and to Europe where Europeans would take the gospel to the world. God called Abraham to move in faith. And that move amplified impact, and it actually changed the world. I believe that God has a plan for Clarity Church. He wants to amplify our impact. And while these next steps carry with them uncertainty and even the threat of anxiousness in my own heart, I don't know about you, God knows what he's doing. Even if we're like Abraham and we don't yet know exactly where we're going, we know that we need to go. And we know that if we go in faith that God knows what he's doing and that God will know where and how to amplify impact. And maybe this idea, <laughs> idea of raising more than a quarter of a million dollars. Like, why you got to say it like that, Phil? Okay. More than $320,000. I mean, that's a lot of money, okay? In additional giving to what people are already giving over three years, I get it. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Or do they even say cray-cray anymore? Do, no, they don't say, maybe, maybe, maybe. I, uh, it's crazy. And maybe the idea of getting enough money to get our own space so we could reach more and more people for Christ seems crazy to you. But listen, I assure you, God majors in crazy. He really does. God is famous for making the impossible possible. God is famous for making, actually, (laughs) all things possible. But in all those things, he always uses his people. God just doesn't just do it without our faith and our participation. He is not motivated by Shia LaBeau who's like, just do it. And some of you don't know what that is, never mind. Like, God just doesn't teleport Abram one day. Like, I want him to move to Israel. 
I could tell him, you know, I just do like, you know, beat me up, Scotty. (laughs) Oh, where did I go? God doesn't do that. And God wants to use this church like crazy. I believe that. But in order to get there, it will take all of us. Nothing is going to appear out of thin air. No one is just going to hand us something. I'm not against it. But it's highly unlikely that someone's going to be like, hey, Phil, how you doing? (laughs) Oh, here's $320,000. Here you go. And by the way, there's no overseeing organization that writes checks for this sort of thing. It's not like a denominational fund that we can just go like, hey, we need some money. There's no millionaire that I know of who's part of Clarity Church that's willing to cover all of this. If you are, please stand up. Please stand up. If we're actually going to do this, listen, this is why I need your attention. It will literally take all of us to participate. Like, I'm dead serious here. Like, you hear me say things like this, like, all of us need to go and preach the gospel. And some of you, like, believe it. And then some of you are like, oh, yeah, I'll get there eventually. You know, God's got to do work in me. I got to learn more scripture or whatever like that. Or I got to meet some unsaved people. I'm dead serious. Like, for us to do this is going to require literally every one of us. Every single one of us. It will take every single person in this room, every single person who listens to this because they weren't here with us today. It'll take all of us getting on our knees and asking God how he wants to use us. It'll take me getting on my knees and asking God how he wants to use me. It's going to take you getting on your knees and asking God, how do you want to use me? Because I don't want anything on this journey to be hidden or a surprise, three weeks from now, three weeks from now, one, two, three, November 14th, our journey through this Amplify series will end in a financial commitment. But please hear me. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. But this is what you need to know. And this is why we spent 21 days of prayer. Because before this becomes a financial journey, this is a spiritual journey. And what I'm asking every one of you to do now, as you leave here today, and even as we close in worship, as I invite our musicians to come back up, is I'm inviting each and every one of you to pray. Pray about this vision to amplify the impact of Clarity Church. I'm human. And our our governing team is human. Our staff is human. Our leadership is human. The pastors of the churches that planted us, who are acting as uh, mentors even through this process, they're human too. We might be missing something that God wants. And so we want... God to correct us if we need to be. But we also want God to impress us if what he is saying is true. Pray that the right property would be revealed to us. Pray for the people of Brooklyn Park because that's why we got in this thing. 
by the way, that's, that's what the building's for. It's, it's <laughs> this capital campaign is not about securing a building. It's about reaching people. I want to be part of seeing more and more people come to know Jesus, don't you? So we want to pray for the people of Brooklyn Park and the surrounding areas. Pray about how God would use you to help make this vision a reality.